know about you, but when I read the Bible, I do something, uh, maybe it's just the way my brain and my thoughts are oriented or just my personality. But when I read stories in the Bible, I put myself in the story. Uh, partly because it helps me uh, to see the story come alive. Now, I don't always put myself in the the role of the title character, so to speak. Like if I'm reading the story of of David when he fought Goliath. Listen, I always want to be David. I want to be the guy out there slaying the giant, lobbing his head off, taking the sword and chasing after Philistines. That's, but then sometimes I read the story and I'm like, oh, I'm the older brother who's making fun of David. Like, why are you even here, dude? You got nothing to offer. Sometimes I put myself in the position of the uh, Israelite soldiers who are cowering away saying, I don't even know what to do. This guy's going to destroy us and and I have no uh, courage. Sometimes I put myself in the place of King Saul who's just like, hey, if somebody else wants to go out and die, great. I don't really want to fight this guy. But here, take my armor and go for it. Uh, I'll see you back at home. Uh, So I I put myself in a lot of different roles as I read the Bible. The reason I do that, like I said, is one, it helps the story come alive to me. The other reason is it helps to remind me that the story that happened then is still happening now. It didn't just end then. The God who moved supernaturally in those stories thousands of years ago still wants to move in amazing ways in my life today because he is the same God. He's the same God who heals. He's the same God who restores. He's the same God who delivers. He's the same God who leads. He's the same God who speaks. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who's the same God that we pray to and serve today. The God of Mary, the God of Esther, the God of Ruth is our God that we can turn to, that we can lean on, that we can call on today. The God of Moses, the God of David, the God who forgave and then used those people he forgave in powerful ways is the same God that we can turn to and say, God, I need your compassion, I need your grace, and he pours it out upon us and says, now, let's move on, let's step on, and let's move into faith and good works, and let's continue to advance the kingdom. You're not of no value, you're of great value. He's the same God, and that's why it's so important in a series like this to look at the things that he did then and remind ourselves that he still does those today. So in this series, we're going to look at five different things. And the first one is kind of foundational. It's the fact that he is the same God that leads. He led people back through the pages of the Bible, and he still leads us today. I don't know about you, but I think most of us at one time or another have probably had a moment in our life when we either thought, prayed, or said something along the lines of, I just wish I knew what God wanted me to do. I just wish I knew what his will was, what his direction was. Where is he leading me? What is it that God wants from me? I want to do the things that God is asking me, but I don't know exactly. It's not clear to me. I'm not certain. I'm not sure of where he's guiding me. What path am I supposed to follow? I don't know if you've ever felt like that. I know I have. And what I think is, I know that God led people then in the Bible. I can see it, I can read it, but I don't feel like he's leading me now. I don't hear his voice. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I want to remind us he's the same God, the same God who led people throughout the stories of the scriptures is the same God who leads us today. 
So to unpack this a little bit, I want to look at a story from the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. Uh, So I want to give you a little background because this is a time when God led in a very unique way. So the people of Israel had um, went into Egypt uh, about 400 years before this story. And it was a small group of them. And they went there and over the decades, they had children They began to increase in number until eventually the people of Egypt were intimidated by the people of Israel. They thought they're going to overtake us. They're going to end up ruling over us. And so they they decided rather than letting them become the majority in this nation, let's subjugate them. So they put them into bondage, into captivity, into slavery. And for almost 400 years, the people of Israel served the Egyptians. But the people of Israel were God's chosen people. And after that time, God said, okay, now is the time to lead my people to the land that I promised to their ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And so to do that, God sends the great deliverer, Moses. And Moses shows up and he goes to Pharaoh and he says, God has told you to let his people go. Let my people go. And and Pharaoh refuses. And so through Moses, God sends 10 plagues. After the 10th plague, Pharaoh says, fine, just take these people and get out of here. You're going to bankrupt us. We've got nothing left. You've decimated us. And if you don't leave now, I fear that there won't be a living person among us. And so the people of Israel, now hundreds of thousands, if not millions, leave Egypt. It's this group of people. They know where God has called them to go. I'm going to bring you to the promised land. But they don't really know how to get there. How are we going to get there? Where's God leading us? What path does he want to take? What, what route is he going to lead us on? And so God leads them in a very clear, unambiguous way. And here's what it says in Exodus chapter 13. It says, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by both day and night. God is saying to the people of Israel, I want my presence to be clearly seen among you. And I don't want there to be any ambiguity, any uncertainty, any unclarity on the way in which I'm leading you. I am going to go before you. I'm gonna go before you. I'm not gonna go after you. I'm not gonna just follow you. You're going to follow me. And there's times I'm going to go fast. There's times I'm going to go slow. There's times I'm going to stop. There's times I'm going to take a detour. I'm going to lead you on the path that I have for you. And if you'll follow me, you won't miss on the destination I have for you. And then not only does God say, I want to lead you by this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire. God says, I want to speak to you through them. And so later on in Exodus, it says this, It says, when Moses went into the tent or the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while Moses and the Lord spoke face to face as one speaks to a friend. The Lord would speak with Moses face to face as with a friend. I love that imagery. It is so rich in meaning. Here's God. Now you say, I thought no one could see God's face and live. No no one could see all of God's glory. God is now taking on a form in which Moses can, can exist and see God, but it was so magnificent that even his face would shine. But they would they would talk face to face as a person would speak 
to a friend and God would lead and guide. And God that led the people of Israel, that same God who led them by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire wants to lead your life today. He's the same God. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, pastor, that sounds good. I want to do what God asks of me. I want to go where he's leading me. I want to follow him. I want to do the things that he's asking me to do. But I have never woken up and looked outside and seen a pillar of, cl of cloud in my driveway. I, I, I've never peeked out the window at night when the sun is down and said, oh, look, there's a pillar of fire. I know where to go. So how can you tell me he's the same God? Well, here's the foundational truth for this entire series, and we need to remember this. He is the same God, but that does not mean he always works in the same ways. Only one time in recorded history do we see God leading a people by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, and it's this for a 40-year period in all of human history. God doesn't always work the same way, but he's the same God. I think about David. At one point, David is going up against the Philistines. And God says, here's the tactic I want you to take. Here's how I want you to fight this battle. When the, when the battle starts, I want you to take your men and go right up the middle. And you'll be victorious. And David does, and they win a great battle. The next time he faces the Philistines, David says, God's the same. I'm going to go right up the middle. No. David stops, seeks the heart of the Lord. And God says, I want you to stand off to the side, hang out on the side of the street. Just wait, just wait, just wait. And eventually you're gonna hear the sound of marching on the top of the mulberry trees. When you hear that, your deliverance has come. What if David had said he's the same God, he doesn't change, so I just do it the same way because he's always gonna do it the same way. He would have missed out on God's miraculous deliverance. He is unchanging, but God is unlimited in how he wants to work in our lives. So don't think because he's the same God, he's going to do everything the same way. You may never wake up and see a pillar of fire, but God still wants to lead you. God still wants to guide you. God still wants to direct you. And so what I want to look at is five different pillars that God uses to lead us. But even within these, there's a uniqueness. So let me give you the first one. Here it is. The pillar of scripture. Now, the scripture is unchanging, right? I could read the same verse that you read. It's the same verse. But for you at that moment, you read it and something comes alive inside of you. And it becomes clear. This is what God is asking me to do in this moment, in this season, where he's leading me, where he's guiding me. I read that same verse. I say, I don't see it. Because God is working in that verse, in you, in that moment, in that situation, in that decision, and he's using it in a unique way in your life. So he uses the same pillars, but he uses them in different ways, in different circumstances, depending on where you are in life. So when we say the pillar of scripture, what do we mean? We mean the Bible, God's word, right? If you want to know what God says about something, the best place to start is with what he's already said. So the Bible, Christians believe that the Bible is God's word to us. It is God's inspired word. It is, is revelation. Now, revelation can sound like, ooh, what does that word mean? It's a great word. It has its roots in a, a Latin word that means to pull back the curtain. To, to pull back the curtain. If you think about a stage, 
You go to a theater, right? There's a play that's about to unfold, a musical, something that's gonna happen on stage. In order for you to see what's on the other side of the curtain, in order for you to watch the story unfold, in order for you to witness all that's gonna happen, what has the first thing that has to happen? The curtain needs to be open. So the Bible is God revealing himself so that we can see things about his nature, his character. We can see the story of his love. We can understand the things that he wants to do in and through our lives. It is the revealing of the things that he says, this is right and this is wrong. This is good and this is bad. This is how I want you to treat people. This is how I want you to connect with me. This is how I want you to behave. It is God revealing those things to us that we would not be able to see otherwise. And so just like a pillar of fire, the scripture is meant to light our path. That's why the psalmist wrote this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Guide my steps by your word. David was familiar with the exodus of the people and a couple thousand years later, he says now, God's gonna lead us by his word. He's going to direct our steps. He's going to light our path just like the pillar of fire lit the path for my ancestors. And then it's amazing because uh, later on, thousands of years after David wrote this psalm, Jesus is there. Jesus is on earth. And what does it say in the Gospel of John? If you're familiar with it, you know, and if not, let me tell you. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word became flesh. It took on human form and dwelt, or in the King James Version, tabernacled among us. So in other words, we have the written word of God and Jesus is revealed in the written word of God as the living word of God who came down and dwelt among us so that we could understand who God is and his love for us. And then later on in the Gospel of John, Jesus says this, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me. Now, it's amazing to me, if you read this story, when Jesus makes this statement, it is at the end of a festival, a feast that the Jewish people would would celebrate every year called the Festival or the Feast of Booths or the Festival of Tabernacles. Now, what is that? It was to commemorate, to remember the exodus of the people when they were being led out of Egypt to the promised land, when God led them by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And so during this time, they would actually light these giant candles that would remind them of the leading and guiding of God's light. And Jesus is saying, what was then momentary is now permanent. What was then for them is now for you. And not just for you who are here hearing me at this moment, but for all of you, it's for us. Jesus is saying, I will lead you the same way that the pillar of fire led the people of Israel. If you'll listen to me, if you'll follow me, if you'll follow my ways and my teaching, I will direct you on the journey of life. So the pillar of scripture, here's the thing. Most of what the Bible directs us, most of the directional 
guidance of the Bible. Where, he, where the Bible leads us is into God's moral will for our lives. Do I lie? Do I steal? Do I murder? Should I be kind to people? How do I treat people? Should I be generous? It's God giving us moral direction on how to live. So you say, well, that's great. But a lot of the decisions I have to make in life aren't moral in nature. I mean, let's just say, for example, um, I get a job offer. I'm trying to decide if I should take this job. I want to do what God, God, do you want me to take this job? Am I supposed to take this job? If I am, I'll take it. But if I'm not, I don't want to get outside of your will. How do I know if I'm supposed to take this job? I mean, we look at the externals, right? It's a good offer, great salary, solid company, wonderful career path. And we say, I don't see that this is a moral decision. This is a career decision. And what we think is, well, I mean, it was offered to me. It must be God. So I guess I'll take it. And we're going to talk about that because we presume that just because something happens because a door is open, we assume it's God. We're going to talk about that later. But I want to talk about the aspect of it being a moral decision because it's not just a career decision. Very few things are. So you've got this job offer, but one of the things about the job is this, it's gonna require you to travel an awful lot. And you're married or you have children at home and maybe your marriage is pretty stressed out already. Like you guys are just barely holding on. Do you think being gone two, three weeks out of the month is gonna strengthen your marriage? Maybe you've got kids at home and you already have a hard time connecting with them. You just personalities are different and, and you're like, I don't get it. I don't want to go do puppet shows and decorate cupcakes and I don't like sports and I have a hard time connecting with my kids. Do you think being gone and separated from them missing more events is going to help you to connect with a child who's desperately wanting more time with you? See, what we think is just a career decision has no moral implications, might not be the case. Maybe it's none of those things, but maybe because you're going to be traveling a lot uh, and you have some struggles in your life, there might be some issues. Like maybe you struggle with, I don't know, drinking. Maybe you struggle with porn. Maybe you struggle with purity. And the job's going to require a lot of dinner parties, a lot of hotel stays, a lot of nights by yourself which means a lot, temptation. And what you thought was just a career decision has moral implications. Maybe the industry just is, is questionable. You're gonna have to do some things that you don't necessarily think reflect God's moral stance in life. So you have to go deeper than just, well, you know, should I lie or steal? Dig deeper. You have to settle for yourself Am I going to be led by the word of God, the pillar of light, the light of Jesus? Am I going to follow him and be led by him? Or am I just going to try and get the desired outcome that I want? See, here's what I can tell you. If it goes against the Bible, it's not the direction God's leading. I, can't, I don't know how to be any clearer. 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But I love him. He gets me. Maybe God will use me to lead him to Christ. If it goes against the Bible, it's not God leading you in that direction. But that's not fair. I didn't, I'm not asking if you think it's fair. 
It's, it's not an issue of fair. It's an issue of do you want, so you could say, I, I want to know what God's will is for my life. I want to know his direction. I want to know his leading. And then the Bible is unambiguous about it. And we make every excuse not to follow it. So it's not that you really want to follow God's leading. You want God to bless the decision you've already made. And God doesn't work that way. So the first pillar you need to settle on that you're going to be led by is the pillar of God's word. And I will tell you this. I have never regretted following God's word. Is it always easier? <laughs> no. Believe me, there are times following God's word will cost you, it will cost you dearly. It's not always the easiest path to follow, but it's always the blessed path to follow. God will always bless you when you follow his word. See, I've never regretted following God's word. The things I've regretted, the times I've regretted are when I haven't gone to God's word or when I've gone to God's word and I haven't gone with God's word. I just went with what I wanted and I look back and go, oh, what was I thinking? So the first pillar is the pillar of scripture. Here's the next one. The pillar of prayer. The pillar of prayer. And God spoke, the Lord spoke with Moses face to face as a friend. Now, what did it say? The Lord spoke face to face. The Lord spoke. What does that mean? It means prayer isn't just you saying, let me tell, 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 ask, 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 talk, 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 and then walk out of the tent and say, wasn't that nifty? It's saying, God, I want to hear. The Lord spoke. You know what that, listen, there was a time when Jesus was on a mountain with two of his closest friends, and there they are, and they're hanging out, actually three of his closest friends, and, and then God shows up, and, and Moses and Elijah are there. And Peter starts saying just this goofy stuff. Let me make some tents for you. Let's just hang out. This is really good. And God from heaven says, Peter, shut up and listen to Jesus. Now that's the Pastor Justin paraphrase. You can read it in the King James and it says, be quiet and listen thou thee. Um, <laughs> but what God's saying is stop talking, Peter. And listen, sometimes we get into prayer with God and all we want to do is talk. And at some point we need to stop and we need to listen. We need to quiet our thoughts, quiet our mind, quiet our words. Stop asking and asking and telling and telling and talking and talking and just say, God, now what do you have to say about this? And when you hear God, oh, it's amazing. Now you say, I've never heard God. I don't know how you hear God. I can only tell you how I hear God. I've never heard God in an audible voice, but I do believe he speaks audibly. I've never heard that. When I hear God, I hear him as that still small voice in my own thoughts, spirit to spirit, deep to deep, the Holy Spirit speaking to my spirit, and it often sounds like my own voice or the voice of maybe a pastor that I've had or my dad or a close counselor, someone that I, I look to, that, that I respect. And it'll sound, a coach, a teacher, it'll sound like their voice. But when I stop talking, when I stop arguing, when I stop explaining everything, and I sit and listen and then reflect on what I heard, what I realize is the insight, the depth, the, the, um, the understanding that that thought revealed to me is way better than anything I could have come up with on my own. 
It had to be God. But you only get that if you stop and you listen and you wait. It's why it says this in the Psalms. It says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And with hope, I wait for his word. God, you've heard what I need. I've asked for clarity. I've asked for direction. I've asked for guidance. And now I want to wait and hear what you have to say. And wait. I say, wait on the Lord. But I've waited eight seconds. I've waited eight minutes. Waited eight days. Waited eight weeks. There are things I've prayed that I prayed 25 years ago, and I'm still praying, and I'm still waiting. Because God hasn't given me clarity on it. And so I wait. I wait. You say, well, what if God never speaks? That's the answer. The next pillar, the pillar of godly counsel. We all know what counsel is, right? Going to someone, asking their advice. The key to that is godly counsel. See, what most of us will do is we'll seek counsel from an echo chamber. We're gonna go to somebody who thinks like we think, has the same view that we have. They see everything. They're in the same situation. They're, they're down with me. I'm down with them. They get me. I get them. They're struggling with the same things I'm struggling. They have the same messed up life that I have. So if I ask them what I should do, they're gonna give me the same messed up advice that I wanna hear. But godly counsel is going to people who have walked with the Lord, who have immersed themselves in prayer, in God's word, who have endeavored to live faithfully, not perfectly, but faithfully following after the things of God, who when you go to them, aren't just gonna tell you what you want to hear, but are gonna give you their best wisdom, their best counsel based on what they hear God say. You may hear what you wanna hear and you may hear something different, but you know it's not just because you're surrounding yourself by those who are gonna give you what you want. See, in our day and age, we have a lot of access to information and to knowledge. You can get on in the internet, you can get on your phone, you can get on your tablet, you can ask Siri, you can ask Alexa, you can Google it, you can find out a lot of information. What you need is people with understanding, with insight, with experience, with wisdom, who will come and say, hey, here's my thought on this. You wanna know what you should do? You wanna know the direction you should take? You wanna know how you should handle this situation? I've thought about this. I've been down life. I've, I've had some experiences. I've prayed. Here's my thought. See, when you need wisdom, the Bible tells us this in James. It says, if anyone needs wisdom, if you need wisdom to know what to do, ask God and he'll give it to you. God will give you, God, I don't know. I, I want to know if this is your leading, if this is your guiding, is this your direction? Is this something you brought into my life? I need to know. And the Bible says, if you need wisdom on what to do, ask God and he'll give it to you. Here's the problem. Most of us think when we ask God for wisdom, he's going to send it like an electrical shockwave into our heads. <laughs> I've got wisdom. Oh, I'm full of wisdom now. Listen to me. There are times when God gives you supernatural wisdom into your spirit. He did it with King Solomon. There are times when God, listen, there are times when I am in a counseling situation and someone's sharing a struggle they're going with. They need insight. They don't know how to handle it. And I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, God, I don't know anything. I don't even know how to help this person. 
So I look at my wife and say, baby, what do you say? Because I got no wisdom and she's full of wisdom. No, I just try and deflect. Um, So I'm listening to what they're saying and I'm praying, God, I need wisdom, I need wisdom. And he'll give me something and I'll say, I would have never come up with that on my own. So yes, there are times when God supernaturally gives you wisdom internally. But far, 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 far more often, God gives you wisdom through other people. See, God often gives you wisdom through, through others, through their life experiences, through their trials, through their ups and downs, through what they've gone through. God says, I want to give you wisdom through them. The problem is we don't want to hear their wisdom. So we say, God, I need wisdom. And out of the blue, grandma calls. And you pick up the phone and say, hi, grandma. And she says, hey, how are you, sweetie? I'm good. Hey, uh, I've been praying about, about you, and, and I don't know what's going on, but I just have this thought that God wants you. Oh, grandma, I don't want to hear that. I want God's wisdom. And God says, I just gave it to you but we don't want to hear it. And it's not because we don't want to hear from grandma. It's that we don't want to hear something that's not what we want. And so we fool ourselves. I want to be led by God. I want his wisdom, but only if his wisdom's what I want. And God, if your wisdom's not what I want, I don't want it. And that's the problem. That's why the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, wrote this. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Seek out wisdom. Ask for it. Desire it. Oh, I, I want to know what to do. I want to know how to handle this situation. Would, would you pray about this? Would you, would you give me your insights? But if you don't want to hear, listen, don't just do it to check off a box. Well, I asked for wisdom. Listen to me. I don't want to waste my time and I don't want you wasting yours. So here you go. Do not think that you have to follow every piece of wisdom that's given to you. What you need to do is not ask if you have no intention to follow it. You don't need to follow every piece of wisdom that's offered. But don't waste my time if you have no intention of following it. Don't waste your time if you have no intention of following it. If it's just to say, well, see, I sought wisdom, but I'm going to do my own thing, then you're just fooling yourself. I have had people come to me. I want to get married, and I'll save them. Are you asking I think this is the wise thing, or are you telling me this is what you've already decided? Well, I've already decided it. But they can say, I, I talked to the pastor. <laughs> okay. And at that point, you know what I don't do? I don't tell them what I think, because they don't want to hear it. And I don't want to have to tell them afterward, I told you so. But I've had people who've said those words to me. I've decided to get married, great. They're not asking my opinion. They're just making a decision and that's fine and that's good. And years later, after getting that crap beat out of them, after having a spouse that's unfaithful, after having their life fall apart, you know what they said? I would to God that I had sought counsel. You can't undo the mess, but you can avoid the mess if you'll seek Wise counsel, let God lead your steps. You don't have to follow every bit of wisdom given, but if you're not planning on following at all, don't waste your time and don't waste theirs. But here's what I know, 
And I believe this with all my heart. It grieves the heart of our Heavenly Father. When you've got a young woman who's sitting there in desperate need of wisdom and life and marriage and relationships, on child rearing, on how to be a, a woman of faith, and she's there sitting alone. While at the same time, you've got a mature woman who's had experience in life and, and has been through some things and has a lot of wisdom to share, and she's sitting alone somewhere else. That grieves the heart of our Heavenly Father because what he wants is for those two women to be sitting together, that one could pour wisdom into the other, and thus they can build one another up and encourage one another into faith and good works. So the pillar of godly counsel, here's the fourth pillar, the pillar of the leading of the Holy Spirit. The leading of the Holy Ghost, times when you just have this random thought, this idea, like you're in this situation and all of a sudden you're like, I know I need to say no to that. I know I need to say yes to that. I know I need to do this thing. I know I need to stop doing this thing. And they're unbidden. They're not like something you, you necessarily were, were wanting to, to decide. It may even be something that you know is completely counterable to your natural inclination and your desires. Like, I know I just need to, to, to stop doing this, even though everything in me wants to do this. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit, those nudges, those guidings, those convictions, those stirrings. This is what it says in Romans. It says, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us and guide us. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. God exists in three persons. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons, all equal in power, all equal in nature, all equal in, in divine character, but each with a unique work, and one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to direct us, to guide us, to lead us. And it doesn't have to be weird. All right, some people follow the Holy Spirit and they're weird. I'm just going to tell you, if they weren't following the Holy Spirit, they'd still be weird. <laughs> so here's what it might look like. Like you're at home and, and you're sitting and it's a regular day, you're not doing anything. And all of a sudden, like someone pops into your mind or you, you just had a dream about them the night before and you hadn't thought about this person, you haven't connected with them, you haven't talked to them in, in, in a long time, months, maybe years. And all of a sudden you think, I should just shoot them a text, give them a call, send them an email, just reach out to them, see how they're doing, and you do. You end up having a conversation back and forth and you connect and then they say something like, oh, you don't know how much that meant. That was exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you so much. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. God puts it on your heart. Hey, send this person a financial gift. Just, just send them this check. Hey, that's a lot of money. But you do it. And they reach out and say, oh my gosh, you don't realize that my finances, you know, just were in a place. Some things happened. That, that meant everything to me. Just, just those unexpected moments that God leads, guides, directs. The leaning of the Holy Spirit all of a sudden makes your life more impactful and fruitful for the kingdom of God. But here's the thing, and this is so important. The more you follow the Holy Spirit's leading, the more sensitive to him you'll become. Like, I remember growing up, 
spent a lot of time with my dad. And there were times where I didn't know what he would say about something that I'd ask him. The more time I spent with him, the more I followed his direction, the more I followed the things that he uh, encouraged me on, the more I kind of already knew what he was going to say, what he was going to do, what he was going to counsel. To say, you've been married for more than six minutes, you know that with your spouse. Like if you spend time with your spouse, you respond to their needs, you respond to, to the struggles that they're having, you become more sensitive to them. It doesn't have to get to things are blown up and we're in a big fight because you realize, hey, there's some things that are simmering beneath the surface and I can, I can deal with this now instead of waiting for it to blow up then. But when you don't respond to it, you become less and less sensitive. So become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. How do you know when it's the Holy Spirit leading you and when it's not? Because that's an important thing. Here's what you do. You go to the first three. Go to the word. Does it violate God's word? Seek him in prayer. Ask wise counsel. Do you need to do all three of those things all the time? Listen, if all of a sudden you have this thought from the Lord, like call this person, you probably don't need to do all three of those things. But if it's this thought from the Lord, hey, there has been this damaged, disconnected, uh, unhealthy relationship that's been festering for years. And you think now's the time, God put it on my heart to call this person. Oh, you better do all three. You know, God tells you, go bake a tray of chocolate chip cookies and bring them to your neighbor. You don't need to seek the word of God and go to prayer and go to counsel. Make the cookies and bring them. What's the worst that happens? They say, get off my yard and take your cookies with you. When you get cookies, I mean, it's a win-win. But if you're like, God's told me to give $10,000 to somebody, it better be to your pastor. Um, <laughs> no, go and, go and seek the Lord. Go to his word, pray, get counsel on those things. And the, the last pillar is this, the pillar of God-directed circumstances. Now, I alluded to this earlier, but this is kind of the one that we default to. It's what we start with because it's kind of the easiest one to see, but it's also the easiest one to manipulate. So what do I mean by this? Uh, God-directed circumstances. Um, it's those things that happen in life unexpectedly, but that seem to be God-directing you. So maybe you've had something like this, you know, you... Um, you have a, a, an invitation or somebody asks you to do something or somebody says, hey, we want you to consider this or are you open to this? And you say, hey, let me think about it. Why don't you get back to me tomorrow or whatever? And then that night you pray, God, if they text me tomorrow by 10 a.m., then I know the answer is yes. But if they don't, I'm gonna say no. And at 9.58, they text you and you say, it had to be God. Or um, you're in the checkout line and, and there you are and, and you look up unexpectedly and there you see this person uh, that you've known uh, years ago but you haven't seen for a long, long time. And you kind of recognize them and they recognize you and you happen to be in the same checkout line so you start chitter-chatting and the next thing you know, hey, he's single. And so is she. This has to be God. Or you're praying and you say, God, I've been in this house for 15 years. Maybe it's time to sell and buy a new home. And you're praying about it and you're driving and you happen to drive by a house that's always kind of been like your dream house. 
This is like two days after you prayed and all of a sudden you didn't know, but there's a for sale sign out front and you say, it's gotta be God. I mean, God must be leading this. Listen to me. There are times God works in those ways, 100%. There are times when God opens doors, closes doors, put things in our path that will lead us, guide us, direct us, change course, and that we can only know and realize when we look back that God was leading us step by step, event by event, circumstance by circumstance to get to this point. It's why the writer of Proverbs says this, a man, a person makes their way, plans his steps, but the Lord orders them, the Lord directs them, the Lord guides them, the Lord leads them. So yes, make your plans, but there are times when God will put things, circumstances in your way to get you to where he wants you to go. But I also want to caution you, be very, very careful about being led by circumstances because it's easy to read into them the desired outcome that we want. So I heard the story of a guy who was trying to lose weight. Um, and so one of the things he did was he changed the route that he drove to work every day. And the reason he did that is because for years he would drove the same route and on that route was a bakery. And every morning on the way to work, he would stop at that bakery and he'd get something. He'd get a, a, a brownie or a, a muffin or a bagel or some little goodie for himself. And he thought, if I change my routine and I don't drive by the bakery, I won't stop, and that will help. And it was very successful. But after a number of months, one day on his way to work, there was an accident. And the accident detoured him back to his old route. And so now as he's driving by, he sees, now this, this bakery was right on the corner. So he would drive by it and then have to turn on the corner. So he would drive by both sides of it. As he's driving by the first side, he looks up and sees in the window that they have cheesecake. And he thinks to himself, this must be God. <laughs> Cheesecake's my favorite dessert in the world. This can't be coincidence. God orchestrated the accident for me to come by the bakery. But he says, I don't want to presume on, I don't want to presume on God. So he prays, God, if this is you, when I turn this corner and I drive down the other street, if there is a spot right in front of the bakery, then I know it's you. And wouldn't you know it? On the eighth time around the block, there was the spot. Right? We can take a situation and manipulate it, manufacture it, force it to get the outcome that we want. See, you can't convince yourself God is using circumstances to justify your actions. I want the cheesecake. If I got to drive around this block 4,000 times. Well, look, it was God. We can, we can do that. Listen to me. There are a lot of doors that God didn't open, you did. There are a lot of things that you said yes to because you wanted to, not because God was leading you there. There are a lot of circumstances that are just that, circumstances. And it is dangerous to try and read God's directing you into everything that you want based on circumstances especially when it's something you deeply desire and you long for because that's not pursuing God's will, that's pursuing 
yours and doing it under the guise of God's directing. So be very, very, very careful with that. So what, how do you do that? How do you guard yourself against that? You go back to the first four pillars. Situation arises. You think this might be God leading you somewhere. You know what you do? Seek the word. Search for wisdom in God's word. What does your word say about this? Pray like mad. God, I want to hear from you. I want to wait on you. I don't want to presume on you. I don't want to rush ahead of you. Seek godly counsel. You've been down this path. What do you think about this? Be sensitive to the leading, the guiding, the nudges, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And then and only then, take that step. Because here's the deal when it comes to being led by God. To be led by God means not getting ahead of him, but patiently following him. That is the whole key. The pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud went before them. This is what most of us do. We get ahead of God to go to where we want to go, and we say, when we get there, God will show up. But that's presumption. What we need to do is stand behind the cloud and say, you lead me, step by step, day by day, moment by moment. If I have to go slower than I want, I'll go slower. If you want me to speed up, I'll speed up. You want me to turn to the right, I'll turn to the right, to the left, that's fine. You want me to stop, I'll stop. But I don't want to get ahead of you. See, God may have brought her into your life, but it's just not the right time. God may want you to start that business, just not yet. God may want you to relocate, but not now. And we rush ahead, but if you'll wait, God will lead you on an amazing journey. And when you get to where he's leading you, it will be better than anything you could dare dream or imagine. That is the wonder of being led by God. And he leads us pillar by pillar, day by day, just like he led the people of Israel by a pillar at night and a cloud by day, because he's the same God the same God who wants to lead you if you're willing to follow. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. God, I ask that by your Holy Spirit, right now you would speak. Bring conviction. We know there's places that we've gotten ahead of you. Here's the great hope, God. If we've gotten ahead of you, if we'd ignored you, if we've missed you, it's never too late to start following you again. It's never too late to get back on that path. It's never too late to start over. God, if we are endeavoring to follow you, if we are endeavoring to hear you, if we are endeavoring to be led by you, and God, give us greater clarity, greater sensitivity to your Holy Spirit, greater insight into your word, greater, greater understanding of what it is you're speaking. God, surround us in this community of faith with people of godly, wise counsel that we can lean on. And God, make it unambiguously clear when your circumstances are leading us. So here's what I'm just gonna ask. If you would say, I, I wanna be led by God. I wanna be led by God. Just raise your hand right where you are. Here's one of the prayers that you need to pray. If you raised your hand, you need to pray this. God, 
as I've read your word, as I've sought you in prayer, as I've listened to your voice, as I've sought wise counsel, as I've been led by the Holy Spirit and I'm looking at these circumstances, God, make it clear to me if this is you. But if it's not, slam that door closed because I don't want to miss you and I don't want to get ahead of you. Just pray that every day. God, close every door that needs to be closed so that I don't miss you. Now, if everyone would just stand to their feet, we're just gonna continue to celebrate who God is. We went a little long this morning, I apologize. We're just gonna sing a few last songs to celebrate who God is. And if you'd like prayer this morning, I just invite you to come forward. There'll be prayer teams here. Maybe you just wanna spend some time praying, getting on your knees with God, that's fine too. The altars will be open. But just spend some time thanking God, asking him to lead you, to guide you, and to direct you.